Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fat Pod. I'm Quinn. And I'm Ember. Also known as The Fap. Jesus, I just said welcome back to the Fat Pod. Oh, well and shit. You said the Fap. So yes, this is fiercely altered perspective. One of us is paying attention today. Obviously, <laughs> it's not me. Uh-huh. Hey, so uh <laughs> Yeah, welcome, welcome. Oh, goodness. It's another glorious Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow happens to be happy old man day to me. Yes, your birthday. woo Yay. We had another birthday earlier in the week. I'm out of the T words and into the F words. You are an F word. Fuck. Not that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. It's something. I've thought about being mean and making you all sorts of stuff and getting all sorts of dark things and... Then I was like, eh, I'm too lazy. I'm too lazy. <laughs> so you are lucky. Okay. This week, if people have been following us since the beginning, you've known about this episode. Mm-hmm. Without we've, knowing about this episode. <laughs> we've talked about it a couple of different times that there was something coming up in May that was really hard for us to do and really hard for us to go through. Yep. We talked about it in like February. Yeah. It's been a while. We've well, known. It's time. It is time. This is one of the first cases that we researched together, something that we both felt very strongly about. Mm-hmm. Something that hit us right in our heart hole. Mm-hmm. And it's up to an including the point that we couldn't even we haven't even really talked about it with each other. No, we haven't. So there's been lots of tears shed on both of our behalves. Um at random times too. Oh yeah. It, this this is my warning to you guys right now. This is a really, really hard case that involves a little girl mm-hmm. that had the worst fucking parents in the world. Mm-hmm. And with that said, if you have triggers or you're sensitive to things along that lines, um, don't listen. Stop. <laughs> if you're in a spot where you can't openly have a moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because seriously, just sitting here thinking about what we're getting ready to get into. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Ugh. So especially if you have children <clears throat> of your own, uh, death involving small children is is kind of a hard thing for even the hardest yeah, of even true the most crime people. Person. Sure. Yeah, you can't. You're gonna get hit with some stuff, and just when you think it's bad, it's going to get worse. So please take this episode and weigh its severity and if you can't listen to it right now don't feel bad come back this episode's not gonna go anywhere if you can and you make it through uh we'll be there on the other side to be like i know dude i'm Mm -hmm. sorry now also with that said i'm not gonna hold back today no you guys are going to get the raw unadulterated unabridged version of quinn (laughs) yeah and uh there will be lots more swearing in this oh yeah and And there will be jabs that even even though we can understand the other point of view, the other perspective, and even if we know like we can't really say or feel certain ways, we're still going to do it. Why? Because that's his natural reaction to shit that happens in life. Oh, we're all human, right? We all have our own opinions. We all have our own says. We all have our own thoughts. This one, it, this, this is what I can say. It takes an awful lot to hurt my feelings. I've gone through a lot of shit literally since the day I was born. Mm-hmm. I'll be 40 on the 12th. So I've gone through 40 years of lots of different things, um, always being the odd man out, always being different because of my scars, blah, 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 blah. And it's made me somewhat callous to certain different things. Mm -hmm. Um, With that said, it takes an awful lot to hurt my feelings. And 
awful lot to hurt my feelings and this case fucking hurts oh dude it does we okay mm. so we could have had this episode recorded months ago and we haven't done it today's may 9th yeah that that gives you guys a clue <laughs> on on what we're doing is we're we've held off as long as we can you're gonna hear tears you can already hear it in my voice that mm-hmm. i'm already shaky i have a really hard time with this case yeah so and i i apologize to you now if i say something things that might hurt somebody's feelings might hurt your feelings but if it hurts your feelings it should be justified well please just know that it's coming from another hurt feeling point oh yeah you know and sometimes we have to say and this goes like in life and i'm not trying to like get on like this pedestal of preaching or whatever but sometimes in life you have you will have to say and do certain things in order to just drop that ball or push that that feeling off and in that case a lot of people can misidentify it or think that you're doing it just to be mean that you're saying it just to sound whatever and really it's just my feelings are fucking hurt and i'm lashing out oh so i will say i know i will say some things that may come off as just terrible but everybody is kind of a garbage bag human and i'm not going to hold back on how i feel about certain people Uh I i don't give a fuck what their excuse was it's bad so with that knowing how we are at right now yeah i've got uh, i'm literally starting this case with tears in my eyes Mm -hmm. and just so everybody knows in this episode today we're not going to be having promos from any of our podcast friends um we're not really doing any of our sponsors anything like that like we and this episode may be a little short it will all depend on how quickly quinn and i feel we can get through this episode without completely falling apart Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Please okay. be prepared and and know that know that her heart and her souls have been hurt because of this case. Yeah. And and know that believe it or not, we actually do care. Oh yeah. Well, and there's been other cases that we have covered or cases that we know that we will cover that hurt us just not like this. Yeah. And it still hurts us on a on a high level. We are just able to put our own stuff kind of aside to be able to get the story out to you guys. Where unfortunately with this one, it's hit us so hard that we can't even think about it mm-hmm. without crying. And most of the time I won't do episodes that hit me like this because I hate crying. I hate being vulnerable. But in this case, I feel like I have to tell it. Oh, this case needs to be out there. This case definitely needs to be out there. So please, if you are, (laughs) if you aren't comfortable in showing your feelings and your emotions, don't listen to this in public. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you can listen to this in public and it doesn't affect you, good for you. Oh man, there might be some people that will listen to this and be like, that wasn't hard to listen to at all. Dude, Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, I give you the highest of fives. Oh yeah. Because I I I am not that strong. I can't. And I don't, uh, nope, Mm -hmm. all the props, dude. So, without anything further... (laughs) Yeah, so we're starting into the Precious Doe case. On the night of April 28th, 2001, police would be combing the area near Hibbs Park and 59th Street and Kensington Avenue in Kansas City, Missouri. After a call came in about an elderly man who had wandered away from his home, 
As officers scanned the woods for the gentleman who had wandered off, they were able to find him pretty quickly. However, they also discovered something more. In the woods, laid, uh, laid the remains of a little African-American girl, and immediately the tone changes. From finding the old man to a murder scene, and to make it worse, the little girl was na naked, covered in debris from the woods, and with visible trauma to her body. Um, she'd been decapitated. All police could find next to her was an ashtray. Her body was was so small that it was quickly concluded that she couldn't have been more than five years old police knew a couple of things one being that they needed to widen the search to locate the rest of her remains and two <clears> that they knew that they would have to inform someone that their child had been murdered yeah so just with knowing that much and with how much this case hits me like my heart goes out to the people that found her oh absolutely because they were there just trying to find a little old man with dementia who was just like like, fuck it, it's midnight. I'm going for a walk. <laughs> for a stroll. You know, and they found him and they're like, come on, let's get you back. And then they find what they found. They find their worst nightmare. And that is not something anybody could ever be prepared to get hit with oh no well and, and that's a deal is you know a lot of people give the police a hard time on you know they're this they're that they're blah 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 in majority of the things majority of the times police aren't dealing with the best of mankind they're dealing with the worst of mankind no no and and to be on the flip side of it it's not like we ever sat down and said dumbass police did not make two and two together like we kind of did that in the last episode right. when police weren't taking people seriously when their kids were going missing during the dean coral case so it's not to say that anybody is without fault but when you understand on a profound level of this is the other side of what they have to see you mm -hmm. can kind of understand how sometimes police can lose that focus that whatever the case is oh you yeah know? and they become hardened or they become people that really shouldn't be a cop anymore mm -hmm. so with that like i under i completely get it and my heart just goes out to everybody that was hit with this oh yeah at this point so with the news of a murdered child in the woods authorities planned on frantic family members bursting through the door at any moment saying that their their kid was missing mm -hmm. that is something that anybody could duh naturally right now uh, it was quickly publicized on any information the police already had which was little to nothing they knew that she was a young girl that was found decapitated in the woods mm -hmm. the people in the community rushed to the aid of police in search for more answers police knocked on doors asking anyone if they knew of a little girl who was missing or any suspicious activity around the area Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks when you know more. <laughs> okay. One can imagine the emotional pull that it would come with finding a child murdered in your town. So being the townspeople, like I know if it came and in our town they had said, we found a decapitated little girl in the woods. I'm going. Oh, I'm going town? to bar. I'm going that second. <laughs> yeah. Our little town would shut down. Yeah. And that's kind of how, that's what this town did. Mm -hmm. So mixed with no one being able to identify the child due to the fact whoever murdered her seemed to have taken the head with them no doubt as a way to conceal identity so they have nothing to go on the small silver lining in this story is that on may 1st 2001 a 51 year old man who volunteered to help would be the very man to find the rest of her remains her head had been placed in a plastic bag and tossed between an old tire and a rock just 150 to 200 yards away from where police found her body on the night of april 28 
28th. Mm-hmm. Ooh, <sighs> this one sucks. <laughs> uh-huh. The autopsy revealed that this little girl who was only three had suffered an unimaginable pain before her death. With multiple injuries to her head, several oval-shaped defects and cuts in various parts of her scalp and on her face. Her frontal scalp and top of her head and the back of her head and right temple were all places showing hemorrhaging. <clears throat> she had a small subdermal hematoma and a large... Subarachnoid hemorrhaging? Ah, uh, subarachnoid hemorrhaging. So, like, uh, <laughs> basically, that's all the stuff. It's all the filler in between. Uh, you know how your head is and it looks all super cool. Those little slivers. Your suture lines? No, like your actual brain. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the places in between, those little creases, that's where the hemorrhaging is. Okay, okay. If I remember right, I could be wrong. Okay. <laughs> it's been a while since I've looked inside a medical book. <laughs> sure. Uh, consistent with multiple points of impact and severe kicking. The time of the attack to the point of her death was never fully known, but it was estimated somewhere between 12 and 48 hours before her body was found. Mm -hmm. The ashtray that was found next to her body was originally thought to be connected. However, they were never able to pull DNA or fingerprints from it, and none of the wounds were consistent uh, to have come from the ashtray. It's unknown where it came from, and it could have possibly had been there before the body was found. Right. I was never, I tried to look up more information and nothing. But really, at the end of the day, I didn't give a fuck about the ashtray. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So the emotional toll that this would take on everybody is very palpable, naturally. We all feel it right now. From the police to the coroner to the community, everyone took this case personally. Since no one knew who this girl was and no one stepped forward with a missing child, she was quickly dubbed Precious Doe. And while no one was claiming her remains... I got it. Okay. The community claimed her as their own. Mm -hmm. They wanted answers just as much as the authority, and they would do whatever it took to give their precious doe the love she should have been shown. The town quickly put out flyers. They raised about $33,000 as a reward to anybody who could provide information on who she was. They even raised money, and they buried her in the Memorial Park Cemetery in Kansas City, Missouri. Unfortunately, with over a thousand calls and none of them providing anything useful for four years, no one would claim the body of Precious Doe. At one time, they thought they <clears throat> thought she may have been another missing girl, but the hope was quickly shattered when the DNA didn't match up. Someone was missing their children, and no one was claiming her. This is how everyone felt when they knew of the Precious Doe case. She was healthy before her death, indicating she wasn't neglected or homeless, and in time, the Precious Doe case would be featured on America's Most Wanted and Cold Case Files. With her cute little face and cornrows, a picture put together by a forensic team was displayed all over. It was hard not to know her little face during this time. Yeah, and just, man, death sucks. Mm-hmm. Especially murder, and especially in this case. There was one man named Thermic... Thurman McIntosh? McIntosh. McIntosh. See, I would put an A in there. I'm so... Okay. One man named Thurman McIntosh, who in 2004, three years after her body was found, would call at least 50 times. However, police either found his calls not to be credible or the leads didn't go anywhere, so they ignored him for over a year. That is, until the spring of 2005 when he called saying, I know her name, I know her parents, and I know who killed her. I have some things I will ship for you to test. This is when Precious Doe would finally get a name. Her name was Erica Michelle Green. After years, everyone was finally able to put a name to the little girl Minnie grew to love. So, that brings on a whole other set 
set mm. and phase of emotion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Once having a name, investigators were able to find Erica's mother, or find that Erica's mother was a woman named Michelle M. Johnson, and her stepfather was Harold L. Johnson. Harold was Thurman's grandson. Thurman said he had letters between his grandson and Michelle indicating that they were the ones who killed little Erica. He pled with police saying that he needs he needs them to listen to him because he knows he wants to or wants her to have her justice that's earned and deserved and that they need to serve before he dies he was able or also able to trick erica's mother into submitting a hair sample according to a web archive thurman asked michelle for a picture of her and her children in the picture was erica as well with a lock of hair on the back he said he was going to put or put it in a bible for good luck the place where this picture would be placed is in psalms 23 the bible verse reads as follows the lord is my shepherd i lack nothing He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm-hmm. This is that mean part of me where, ugh, just a fucking, never mind, I'll wait. <laughs> Dude, like I'm glad that he was able to get it through a Bible verse, and a Bible verse is what led you inadvertently to not being a shitty person, but whatever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, see, that's one of those things where I don't want to say too much because I don't want to seem like I'm Bible bashing or religious shaming or whatever. But at this point, yeah. Anyways, with the photographer, with the photograph and the lock of hair, they were able to test DNA and it came back with a positive identification. On May 5th, 2005, four years and four days since they found Erica's head in the woods by her body, Kansas City investigators traveled to Muskogee. 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 To interview Michelle and Harold Johnson. They found Harold Johnson was already in jail on charges unrelated to the Precious Doe case. Police charge Harold Johnson and Michelle Johnson for murder and extradite them from Oklahoma to Missouri. Michelle's other eight children were then taken by DHS. What investigators uncover with this case is almost more tragic than how they found Erica's little body. So, this next phase, we're going to be walking through the adults that are involved as best as we can along with how that trail led to Erica's death. Mm-hmm. But So the investigation and the discovery. Michelle M. Johnson was a known drug addict and prostitute with a criminal history. She had previous charges of child endangerment of her other four children before Erica was even born. Mm-hmm. In 1992, she had, <clears throat> she had a charge of failure to protect her children from physical abuse. Oh, good. In 1993, she gave birth to a baby with a... Or with crack in its system. Good. In 1995, she gave birth to another child who was addicted to cocaine. Even better. Mm-hmm. And in 1997, she was, <coughs> while she was pregnant with Erica, Michelle was under investigation for child endangerment for her fourth child, and it was documented that she was still using drugs while pregnant with Erica. Right. So obviously, Michelle was going through a lot of her own things mm-hmm. to to be that there, to be where she is at. Right. So Erica 
his father's name was Larry D. Green, who was finding himself in and out of prison as well. And he was actually serving time when his daughter was murdered. The reasons for his incarceration at that time is unknown. While Michelle was prostituting, she fell in love with one of her Johns, as they're called, who also had a record of various charges. And this is where 25-year-old Harold Johnson came into their lives. In 1997, just about five weeks before giving birth, Michelle was put into prison for convicted larceny and the judge had removed her probations for other convictions, meaning she had to go. Yep, yep. On May 15th, 1997, Erica Michelle Maria Green was born in McLeod, Oklahoma. Since Michelle was in prison, she had Erica be put in the care of an elderly lady by the name of Betty Brown. When the baby was born in prison, the baby is put into the care of someone the mother chooses. The only time DHS is involved is if they find that they can't find a home for the baby to be placed in. Mm -hmm. This is important information to have now. It will be coming up later on in this episode. When Betty took Erica home, all she had to do was sign a piece of paper. There was never a background check, any other sort of guidance as to what could happen at the, you know, when Michelle was released. Um, for the moment, it's more of a buffer time mm -hmm. and a baby is placed until they can go either back to their mom or forward in whatever direction they can take legally. Yep, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Betty was a sweet woman who loved Erica as if she was her own. Erica grew to call her granny and they loved each other very much. When Michelle got out, her and her boyfriend Harold took Erica back. They got to visit one or two more times before Erica was murdered. This is something that, of course, weighed heavily with Betty from from then on. Betty loved her. Betty would have taken her for the rest of her life mm -hmm. without any question or hesitation. But unfortunately, that would suck to be in that position to take on a child as your own, to give them all that care and everything, to just have them so quickly be boop. Now they get to go back to this. Yeah. We know all their charges. We know the system. But yeah. unfortunately. You have someone that would have given this little girl the world. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, in the, lies, in the eyes of the law, they did what they did. Mm -hmm. You know, they served their time. It is what it is. So yeah. in April of 2001, the same month Erica was murdered, her mother Michelle and stepfather Harold took Erica and went to Missouri to look for work. And they lived with Harold's cousin, uh, Lawanda Driscoll. Yep. Yep. Lawanda would later say on more than one occasion, she would see Erica get beat for minor things like crying or being too loud. Typical kid stuff. Then mm -hmm. one night, she heard a loud bang followed by Erica not leaving the bedroom for two days. Michelle and Harold would say that she was sick. On the third day, when Lawanda pressed for details, Michelle said she took Erica to go and live, or to go back and live with Betty Brown. That was the last time they ever talked about Erica. And if only, that is what truly happened. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to reiterate this. One night, she hears a loud bang, mm -hmm. followed by Erica not leaving the bedroom for two days. Mm -hmm. For two days. And on the third day, she was told that she went back to live with Betty Brown. Mm -hmm. And I will also call into question Luanda, uh, if I saw somebody living in my house beating the shit out of a two, two three-year-old, we're going to have some fucking words. Oh, it's game on. Work and work. And then <clears throat> if I hear a loud thud and then followed by not seeing a kid for a couple of days, mm -hmm. um, fuck your privacy. Yep. I'm coming in. Yep. Like that is my new slogan I've decided. Fuck privacy. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Don't care what you're doing. But mm. retrospect, hindsight, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
How is she supposed to necessarily know? We don't know her story, what she was doing at the time. Was she on drugs? Like, don't know, don't care. You right. could have done something. You didn't. I'm going to hate you because I can. Right. This is that This is that mean part coming out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, fast forward back to... <clears throat> wait, fast forward back to... Yeah, I know, right? Doesn't make any sense, but it kind of does. We were just talking about 2001, but now we got to go back to 2005 before we can go back to 2001 again. So it's like we're going back to the future, but not really. Yeah, it's back to the future too. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So fast forward back to 2005 where Michelle and Harold are facing murder charges and the police are going through their letters between the two of them. Harold was already in the system, or yeah, was already serving time in prison and he was a arrested in 2002 for stolen property, weapon, and drug offenses. The couple had also gotten married in 2002 while he was in prison after, after the death of Erica. Mm -hmm. Another important clue. The story of Erica's death was never cut and dry, and in some of the letters, police would see how they were trying to cover up her murder and blame it on someone else. Letters trying to come up with a plan on how to get away with murdering the little one, the little girl everyone knew as Precious Doe. On August 3rd, 2007, in one of their corresponding letters, Harold tells Michelle that the story they should tell police should be about a friend named Mike Mike who agreed to take Erica to a family to a family friend in Muskogee, yep. Oklahoma. They paid, quote unquote, Mike Mike $35, loaded her up in the car, and never saw her again. Now, as to what they would say they did with the remaining four years isn't known. How do you have a missing child for four years and never say a word? Now, this isn't to say maybe, maybe they have since then said what they did in the la- in that four years of missing time. I honestly don't give a fuck what they did. Right. I don't care what trials they went through. I don't care if they hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about the four years lost before they finally named Erica. Mm-mm. Nope, not well, even one. Uh, okay, so who in their right fucking mind would give a three-year-old to a <clears throat> friend? Yeah, also keep in mind the circle of friends that you would have if you are... A junkie. And a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that we don't know how people can get led down that path, blah, 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 blah. I know about addiction. I understand it. But bear with me when we say they are a junkie and a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. Some people just are, okay? Some people just are bad. These are those people. Mm-hmm. So, I just don't... You give a dude 35 bucks and say, here, take her. And from Kansas City to Muskogee, you're looking six hours at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to call? Yeah. I got a hard gonna, time with that. You're not going to check up? Just, oh, I dropped him off four years ago and never really looked into it. Yeah. No. I don't... <clears throat> My kid, our kids are gone for two seconds. And we're like, it's too quiet. What's going on? Is everybody okay? Mm-hmm. I also, I'm not going to allow somebody I barely know to take my child to somebody. I will drive them. Thank you. Yep. Uh, two different peoples. Uh-huh. Well, their plans begin to crack. Guilt sets in. And when Harold went from loving, or <clears throat> yeah, went from loving with Michelle to mean, she decided to take a plea deal and turn on her husband. The death penalty, the death penalty for both of them was talked about in De- on December 3rd, 2005. So that could have been the deciding factor. Mm-hmm. It could have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still, like, I get it. 
fight for your own survival and blah 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 but Mm -hmm. well and i don't remember if if we bring it up again later so forgive me and we'll just blow through it but she turns on her husband because death penalty is on the table and now he's just being an asshole Uh uh-huh so that's the only reason that's the only reason why you're not yeah you're trying to cover your own fucking neck but you didn't think about that with your fucking three-year-old kid fuck you bitch right exactly and you're only saying it because death penalty is on the table and now you're faced with your own mortality so you're like well yeah fuck creating a story anymore i'll just tell the truth but i'll just make it be mostly his fault no bitch take several fucking seats Mm -hmm. and for those of for those out there in radio land or pod land or whatever the hell you want to call it that want to judge me for calling this woman a bitch oh no i don't think anybody will get it she's a cunt fucking come get it because <laughs> i'll guarantee you this if you come to me saying that i need to stand corrected for calling her a bitch i'm probably gonna take a picture of the backside of my nuts tell you to go fuck yourself and not worry about it that's because whoever is going to be doing that is getting hung up on words and not the message that we're saying uh-huh luckily we are very fortunate and a lot of <laughs> so, people are cool and not stupid so. right apologize for my rant but sorry no. Not sorry. No, no, I get it. Don't fuck with me. Yeah, <laughs> I am very fragile. I right am now. fragile right now, and I don't fucking like being this way. <laughs> uh, speaking of side note, if you haven't watched the movie The Game, I highly suggest it. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Anyways. Anyways. On September 8th, 2008, about a month before the trial would start, Harold sent Michelle another letter saying, Now I'm going to make sure you get ran over personally. Tell him how you used to beat and leave Erica in that room with no TV, no nothing for hours when you smoked crack. Your time on this earth is real short. You can believe that. It's on site. Which, I mean, he's probably not wrong. I guarantee that bitch did that. Right. She is not without fault, so I I can understand where he's like, no, oh, oh, you're going to try to put this all on me? Here mm-hmm. we go. Mm-hmm. Here we go. That's not to say that he isn't equal pieces of shit. Now this is just the piece of shit Olympics. Oh, that is all that we're in. It is like, so here's a twist on that. If you guys haven't seen the BME Pain Olympics on the internet, <laughs> don't oh. Go look it up. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. But yeah. Yeah. These two motherfuckers should have competed in the BME Pain Olympics. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, on October 8th, 2008, Harold Johnson was convicted for first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. On October 22nd, 2008, Michelle was sentenced to only 25 years in exchange for testifying against Harold. She was a mother with a bad past, made some horrible choices, with her own sad story as to how she could get to the point of allowing her child to not only be murdered, but also stay quiet about it. In the eyes of the law, she was not without fault, but she was also a victim. 25 years is the agreement made in order to even get enough information to punish them to some extent of the law. A sentence that would outrage anyone. And it gets worse, as we will tell you soon. I We were going to write it down and walk you through the trial, but uh, just understand the anger. Fuck it. Who cares? It They're does. in jail. We know that. Yeah, it doesn't need to be. Right. Later in 2010, Erica's father, Larry, would be or would try to sue saying when someone was born in prison, DHS should be contacted 
contacted ASAP. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Oh, yeah. He was trying to seek compensation, compensation, saying that it was the lack of the state that led to the, er, to his daughter's death. I get it. I get it. I would I, want, I would be pissed too. I get it. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that everybody in prison are bad people. By no means am no, I no, saying no, no, that no. everybody in prison is bad people. What I will say is this. Look at they the situation. They got caught doing bad things. Mm-hmm. I, according to all standards and records and documents and this, that, and the other, I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. I've been checked out by the FBI numerous times for some of the firearms I own and, and things like that. I've been checked out by Homeland Security for things that I have on my driver's license. Um, I've been checked out by lots and lots and lots of different places and lots and lots and lots of different things. Still doesn't mean I haven't done bad shit. Yeah, still doesn't mean that you didn't have your own past. Right. You were just lucky. Well, I, I was. Mm-hmm. I truly was. I was lucky. But good people do dumb shit. Mm -hmm. Dumb people do really dumb shit. Well, and I would say (laughs) I agree with Larry. I can understand that. He he was in jail for his own shit. He understands his own trials. However, I can also agree that DCFS should be called in certain situations. Look at her past criminal history. Right. Before she even had Erica, she was already facing child abuse, child neglect, kids born with drugs in their system, and she was using while she was pregnant. Maybe it might have been a good idea once she was put into jail that somebody was like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we should call DS. DHS. Right. They would have given her to Sweet Betty Brown, but they would have never let her go back. Right. Type of thing. Uh, right. In the in the perfect world. However. Sure. sure. Well, with all of this going on, it never went anywhere because DHS acted as they should according to the law. When Larry Green wrote his two-page lawsuit to the federal courts, judge named Gregory Frizzle mm-hmm. appointed an attorney to help him. Frizzle had presided over lawsuits against DHS in the past and made major improvements. Right. Some of those improvements that they were fighting for were things like you kind of have to take things case by case. You have to understand uh, everybody knows or it is known within that when a woman is put into jail or into prison, they will give that baby to whoever the mother chooses mm-hmm. if it is whatever. And it is a buffer period. They will let that mother come back to that child, depending on the circumstances that got them put into prison, of course. Right. But they will let that person go back because in society, in nature or whatever, most people feel that the child is usually best with their mother. Yep. Because we are naturally... Your caregivers. Yeah, we're, we're genetically programmed that way mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> That's another can of worms just opened up. But oh, whatever. I know. On an evolution period, on the very basic stance, though, women are made. <laughs> that's why men don't have the babies. Okay, let's break it down into that. Right. If you have a uterus, you are supposed to be nurturing. Whether or not you are is a totally different story. <laughs> right. But that's the that's a general, very blanket statement. We can mm-hmm. nitpick all day, but we don't need to. So they, they weren't wrong. And right. I understand Larry wanting to be like... Fuck you guys. You guys should have known, you know, mm-hmm. but you hindsight. Okay. Oh, now, yeah. now, yeah, they should have. But at that time, in those moments, they didn't know. Right. And in some cases, you don't, you may not know about past criminal charges. Mm-hmm. It just the, the list goes on of how people couldn't have seen necessarily. Right. And then on the other side, there's people that are like, no, you should have seen this like days, miles, millennials ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so from the night Michelle and Harold murdered Erica to the day her identity 
Teague was finally discovered, they never said a word. In fact, this is why I cried earlier. When police knocked door to door after finding Erica's body, they stopped at her house. Michelle answered the door and she made a bogus story about some man who was walking in the woods, but she didn't know of any child that could be missing. <laughs> uh <-huh>. <laughs> <laughs> After that, the couple got married, and they even made plans to blame somebody else. It was only until Harold became a dick that, with Michelle that the truth came out. Mm -hmm. If they never would have fought, we may have never known. Mm -hmm. Or they may have been able to try to prove it to somebody else, or not have it be placed back on them enough to do any severe time. Yeah. And they could have gotten away. So, thanks, Harold, for being an asshole to Michelle, and thanks, Michelle, for worrying about your own feelings. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay, boys and girls, this is where... <clears throat> this is just another layer. Yeah, this is where it gets heavy. Er. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. This, this is, is where it gets heavier. This case is like the tiramisu of pain. There are many layers to it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, what really happened to Erica Green, who the world knew as Precious Doe? When Michelle finally broke down and told the story of Erica's murder, the reasons are more disgusting than you can imagine. For those that have children, you'll be able to understand the frustrations of having a three-year-old <laughs> we have one right now mm -hmm. <laughs> he is full of nothing but piss and vinegar and spite and i love him for it oh me too but there are some times where you're like oh boy <laughs> oh yeah well and and literally that's their job is to test your patience so you teach them right from wrong good mm -hmm. from bad what to what patience. not to to do yeah right so it it's a test for you to show them for mm -hmm. them later mm-hmm mm-hmm not for what happens what we're getting into right for anyone around toddler knows <clears throat> knows the struggles that can be or that can come with <laughs> when you ask a child to do anything however the steps taken beyond being frustrated is where they took it yeah well and and parents anybody who's been around a toddler everybody knows what it's like to want to flip off a kid oh or tell him just to fuck off everybody knows that feeling and you can try to judge me or whatever and some people may think that i might be a bad mom i don't give a fuck everybody knows i'm just being real with it mm -hmm. kids will test you on every single level just like quinn said they will make you be like i don't what the what am I supposed to do? Because oh, you can't force them to understand. A three-year-old toddler is the video, and I'm sure that 99.9% .9 of people have seen the video of the cat on the coffee table with something oh, sitting yes. there. And the lady's like, no kitty. And the cat looks right at her. And, and if it could have raised its middle little kitten paw, finger, <laughs> whatever, it would have hung this lady the finger. And looking right at her is just like, what, bitch? <gasps> and send it flying that's a three-year-old oh yeah oh yeah and it is so <laughs> important is in those moments where you want to just like smack the shit out of a kid oh man <laughs> and everybody can't. knows that <laughs> right. everybody knows that on a profound level even if it's not a kid you know what it's like to be mad at somebody and just want to be like fucking stop Mm -hmm. but that's when you yourself the one who is mad you right. walk the fuck away for a few minutes right don't worry about what mess that can be made trust me i have come back in after needing to walk away from our three for a minute i have come back into so many messes and i'm just like god damn it now i gotta clean right. like 
<laughs> so then you just learn what to be mad at and what not to be mad at. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's the deal is you're teaching them and at the same time they're teaching you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's important reminder for me to know that it is okay for me to take a few minutes and go breathe. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, because ooh. these little ones, these little ones are not us. Mm-mm. These little ones are getting the understanding of right from wrong Mm -hmm. getting the understanding of knowing what to do what not to do Mm -hmm. getting the understanding of listening and not listening paying attention not paying attention but they're also little right we already have all of those solid foundations and we should have them on lock yeah congratulations for being an adult and having your brain as long as you did right you know these are these are little tiny people that have only had their brain for a very small amount of time and not only that in that small amount of time think of how much a child has had to learn Mm -hmm. they have had to learn to swallow to eat to crawl to walk to talk to do all these things to where if that happens to you as an adult and you are robbed from all of that and you have to relearn everything it takes forever well and and here's something to add a twist to it and this is part of the reason why i've had such a hard time with this Mm -hmm. the only love three-year-olds know is unconditional Mm -hmm. that's it Mm -hmm. so i guarantee you with what we're getting into that little girl still looked at him and was like i love you oh yeah i love you well that's why are you doing this i love you uh what is that fucking book that i can't remember but it's just like well maybe mom will feed me today yeah you know like Uh. that's how that's how they look and good attention bad attention it doesn't matter so sometimes when a kid is being insane and will just not shut the fuck up for two seconds it's because they just want to hang out with you for a minute they just want to to be with you they want your attention and that's hard for us to see because we're like no but you don't understand just trying to make you a sandwich or whatever that's breaking it down into (laughs) the simplest of terms right you know and there has been times where i'm like could you go anywhere else for five minutes mm-hmm. you know but i try to remind myself okay i am all that they have them they love me unconditionally i right. love them unconditionally i'm just expecting them to be i'm expecting 30 year old reactions out of a three-year-old right right well or you're expecting like a twig to be a fucking great big tree it's right. not gonna happen right it's, it takes time <clears throat> you gotta right. love and you gotta nurture it through Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's a very long that, yeah, that rant, was a, a, and I guess that's a way a to try note. to understand mm-hmm. the the breaking point that happened for them. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand it, but I, I I understand it if that makes sense. Right, I I understand becoming frustrated at a little kid. Mm-hmm. I get that one hundred percent. Where this goes, I don't understand. Michelle said Erica was refusing to go to bed. That she had been told six times, and that Harold became more and more agitated. He was drunk and high on PC. CP and Michelle was also loaded up on whatever she had decided to pump into her veins that day. So it's not like either of them are one in their right minds or two should even be around children. Yeah, definitely not. They may be claiming to be adults, but mentally you aren't there when you're doing drugs. Not like that. Not not to this. Your your senses are completely off and uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, with tensions rising, Harold lost his cool and kicked Erica in the head at full force Mm -hmm. pcp is known as one of the most dangerous drugs causing hallucinations and violent responses it was originally used as an anesthetic so it does knock out pain and does give one a sense of super strength so 
In his anger, he kicked her with every ounce of aggression he was feeling at that time, and she went unresponsive and collapsed immediately. Mm-hmm. A grown man kicked a three-year-old little child in the head mm-hmm. at full force. Because she wouldn't go to bed. Because she was being three. Mm-hmm. Of course she didn't want to go to bed. She wanted to hang out and be up and do cool things. Mm-hmm. And because he's also strung out, which I also know that you can't think clearly at that point. Right. Like, I don't care. You still fucking knew. Yeah. You still knew. Before you ever even touched drugs, you knew. Yep. Michelle would then take her daughter to the bathroom and put her in the tub of cold water and attempt to revive her. So obviously they were snapped back into some sort of reality of the situation. And she was completely unresponsive and her eyes rolled to the back of her head. After failing to revive her daughter, she just took her out of the bathroom and placed her on the floor. This is where she would remain for what Michelle says was a few days, but Harold says a few hours. It's not really known. While Erica was dying, her mother and stepfather talked about what they should do. They were on the run. They couldn't take her to the doctor because she knew she, they would get arrested for their outstanding warrants. So they left her on the floor. As a mom? Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Michelle kissed her and sang her favorite songs, which was Barney and Blue's Clues. <laughs> And when Erica took what they thought was her last breath, 10 hours after she was beaten, according to some reports, they decided to wait a few more hours until it was nighttime so no one would see them. Mm-hmm. You kid. Oh my God. So you guys do realize this. No matter what is going on with your, with you, no matter how many warrants you have, no matter how many, no matter what's going on, if you have a person or a child that is in grave danger, in desperate need, you can take them to a church, you mm-hmm. can take them to a hospital, you can take them to a fire station, you can take them to the police department and leave them. Uh-huh. You can call 911 and say there's something there's a baby on the corner of such and such and such and such and the police will come the paramedics will come you don't have to go in i'm 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 playing the devil's advocate right here right now because fuck both of them you're more concerned about your freedom than you are the life of your fucking child Mm -hmm. burn in hell they could have walked out the door and told lawanda Mm -hmm. and skied out they could have been like yo so harold just kicked her uh don't know what's going on we gotta bounce yeah and leave you mean you still would have been a big piece of shit but Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be the what you are yeah Well, that evening they wrapped her up in a blanket, crawled out of the window, put her into a stroller, and went for a walk. They took her to the park and Harold undressed Erica for reasons nobody knows handed the clothing back to Michelle, and Michelle left. Why she left, nobody knows. Well, from there, he took out his hedge clippers and severed her head. That's when Erica finally passed away. She wasn't dead in the house. She wasn't dead on their walk. She died because that motherfucker cut her head off with hedge clippers. She was alive the whole time and left on the floor while her mom did drugs and sang Barney and Blue clues to her. Her cause of death was complicated due to the extent of her injuries and from being left without proper care. However, the marks made by the decapitation showed signs of life, meaning she was still she was still fighting for her own life when Harold made that final decision. <laughs> One of 
one can only hope <clears throat> she was so far gone that she didn't really feel or was aware of what was going on. And from there, he wrapped her head in a plastic bag and tossed it in a dumpster at a church. Just, I try not to think too much about that time <laughs> mm -hmm. because it makes me sad. Mm -hmm. It makes you go down the what if of all the things that she heard or <clears throat> how she was feeling and how she couldn't ask for help. Mm-hmm. Nope can't do it <laughs> i can't do it so i i have to tell myself that that first kick she she was she may have still been there her, her body was here but she was gone yeah she may have still had her functions and everything like that but yeah so when returning home he told michelle about putting her head in the dumpster and how michelle responded was that people will smell it and find it so they need to go back they left the house again retrieved her head and walked around the same area of her body and just randomly tossed it this is where it landed between the old tire and the rock. In the minds of the people who were supposed to care for her, she was already precious dough, gone the second she was kicked. Yeah. Well, according to a pediatric, pediatric neurosurgeon, if Erica would have received medical attention after sustaining the kick, she would have lived. Mm -hmm. That kick wasn't enough. However, her mother and stepfather let her die slowly on a bedroom floor while they did drugs and came up with a plan to dispose of her body. They took her to the woods, cut off her head so so she couldn't be identified. Harold stripped her of of her clothing, leaving her remains behind like people would leave trash. They I had also, the, sorry, one oh. quick second. Um, I also just thought about it. They may have taken her clothes because mm -hmm. those could have been an identifying factor. She was wearing a blue shirt, a, you know. Sure, okay. sure. Sorry, that just, I don't know why that didn't pop in my head forever ago. That seems obvious now, but. No, you're good. They had the understanding, even though the drug fog that kept them, <clears throat> excuse me, that kept her uh, head in a dumpster would have raised suspicion so they talked about or talked about it and removed her head from the dumpster and carelessly just tossed it into the woods mm -hmm. this sticks out because it shows that that the act of murder wasn't they didn't they weren't really concerned about that they just murdered her they were concerned about it smelling bad yeah concerned about keeping themselves safe mm -hmm. uh erica became a thing not a person when police desperately knocked door to door in the quest for any kind of an answer they talked with michelle and instead of coming clean she tried to steer police away from them the couple left and and for four years, they stood quiet. They moved on with their life. They told people she went to live with Betty Brown and told Betty they just moved away. They tried for four years to get away with murder because they were more afraid of their warrants than the life of a beautiful girl, the beautiful little girl with the cornrows. They lied at every turn. And if Harold's grandfather, Thurman McIntosh, wouldn't have been able to get through to the police or get them DNA ev evidence, Erica Michelle Maria Green would have always been known as precious dough with that said <laughs> there's a reason we chose to do this episode today yeah with, on this date <laughs> with that said on tuesday may 15th 2018 erica green if she would have had the life that she deserved she would have turned 21 